What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Well, it's nothing that he hasn't dealt with since high school. I mean, he's had huge expectations put on him since he was a teenager, right? And so... Uh, for him, it's just business as usual. He'll come to work. He'll work hard every single day. Uh, I think uh, I'm really excited for our young players because uh, they get a chance to watch him work up close. And so I think that speeds up their learning curve uh, because it's one thing to be told this is what you need to do, but it's another thing to see a guy actually do it. And uh, now you can follow that lead. So um, I think it's just important for Brian just to be himself and, uh, and continue to do what he's been doing. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where while the rest of the league is playing chess, the Lakers are out here playing Connect Four, hashtag next level, Rondo! Meanwhile, I don't know what the Warriors are playing Parcheesi. at this point. Uh, the Warriors are playing Parcheesi? Is that a more complex game than chess? M- Mahjong, no, maybe? actually, Hungry Hungry Hippos. <laughs> ah, that's right. They're though. hungry. While the rest of us are playing chess, checkers, and connect four, the Warriors are out there playing... I like Mousetrap. (laughs) Yeah, the Warriors are out here playing Mousetrap. Anyways... I thought we were playing Mousetrap. I thought we were playing (laughs) Mousetrap. (laughs) No, we're playing connect four because Rondo is the connect four expert out here. Uh, But yeah, I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez. I'm joined by my co-host, Alan Riley. We're going to do a quick one today. Some of our updated thoughts on the Lakers free agent signings. Uh, Alan, how's it going, and how long is it going to take before the Lakers sign Michael Beasley? For the for the meme team, right? Um, for the meme team, for the Expendables, for the Lost <laughs> Boys, Suicide Squad. Uh, tonight's episode, I'm entitling it "The Unusual Suspects." So nice, nice. Uh, how much longer before Michael Beasley comes? Didn't we want that guy at one point in our Laker lives? <laughs> I'm sure we did. I'm sure I'm we did. Sure we did, right? <laughs> and uh, just like we've been saying in our little. Uh, our, our group thread. I'm pretty sure I'm going to fall in love with Michael Beasley if he becomes a Laker. So yeah, I guess it doesn't really matter. Well, let's just say tomorrow. <laughs> uh, I mean, you asked the last episode, who who's the next like frat boy guy we're going to sign. <laughs> and uh, since then, the Lakers have signed Rajon Rondo. And at this point, he's like a scary frat boy. <laughs> he's like a little too crazy. Yeah, no, for sure. But yeah, again, LeBron James, still a Laker. Things are still good. But what a whirlwind of two different emotions from day one of free agency to day two, both equally as lit and emotionally spiked, but both in such different ways. Uh, Alan, we went from, ah, we're on top of the world to, ah, the world is flat and apparently tipped on a diagonal incline and we're falling. (laughs) So Alan, without getting into the details just yet, I guess, what are your quick visceral feelings 
um, on the transpiring since hashtag LA Braun the first day. Because as we all know, yes, we have Rajon Rondo now, but that's not all that happened. We've also lost Julius Randle in the process of all of this. Julius Randle has signed with the New Orleans Pelicans to be Anthony Davis's number two uh, for two years, a one plus one. $9 million each year, and Rajon Rondo to the Lakers for one year, $9 million. So with all of those things happening, yeah, I guess, what are you feeling gutturally? Uh, I'm feeling a lot better now, but initially it was a lot of WTFs for sure. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, the Lance thing, I mean, we already talked about that like the first night. And we're like, yeah, yeah, so good, whatever, JaVale, cool. Um, Rondo is just like... Yeah, dude, initially it was it was just not a good feeling. Um first thought was like, so what about Lonzo? You know? Um that was definitely the first thing. And and just kind of on a side note, <clears throat> I've come back in contact with so many people I haven't spoken to in like a decent amount of time, just like Tommy said. One of my old friends has been texting me pretty much every single day about everything that's happening. It's great, and we're gonna grab dinner sometime next week. So the Lakers brings people together and so does Rajon Rondo. And uh <laughs> Yeah, it was like, what about Zoe? And then it was like, well, I mean, I could see this as the front office want to light a fire under Lonzo's butt because he's too comfortable. And then I had kind of the terrifying thought today. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I I haven't actually said this to anybody, but I'm going to say it now. If you recall at one point, and I can't believe I'm referencing this, uh, LeVar Ball said... They're treating Lonzo with kid gloves. They're treating him soft. They need to, like, be tough on him, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And, you know, it's like so many times LeVar just says crazy things, and, like, we take it with a grain of salt. And it, it personally doesn't make me very upset. I don't really care. He's very entertaining. But a lot of times, not every time, a lot of times there's some truth to what he says, right? And, like, that's fine. Um, <laughs> Not saying that the front office acted on what LeVar said at all, but... Maybe the front office looked at Lonzo, his demeanor, personality, and whatnot, and, you know, it's not like they're saying, oh, this kid is soft, but or like he lacks motivation in any sense whatsoever. But I think any young person who kind of has the throne handed to him in a sense, you know, who is told your jersey's going to hang up there, you're going to break all my records, blah, 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 a little external motivation can't hurt. Mm -hmm. And knowing the Lakers roster this last year and how soft-spoken guys are, at least, like, publicly, now we've seen Zoe and Kuzma's personality a little bit, but, like, on the floor, like, guys don't talk a whole lot. You don't see dudes mixing it up. Everybody's pretty friendly. You throw in a dude like Rondo, I mean, that flips it all upside down. And if they feel like the situation is under control and we talk about how good Luke Walton is at managing personalities... (sighs) Despite the fact that he doesn't shoot very well overall, I mean, maybe it's okay just as far as fit and purpose and things like that go. Yeah, we'll we'll get into the details more on what we think of these prospects. Um, but first, before we delve too much deeper into that, obviously the dust has settled a little bit. It's been such a crazy day too. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins obviously is a warrior now for the taxpayer mid-level, kind of a big middle finger to the New Orleans Pelicans who apparently weren't giving him the offer that he wanted. Outside of that, I, I guess a lot of teams, even though they discussed potentially in adding him, didn't give a, I guess, from his camp's point of view, a credible offer. So instead of taking, you know, fi- me- meeting those teams in the middle, including the Pelicans, DeMarcus Cousins just made a complete about face and was like, I'm joining the Warriors. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that happened. Tyreek Evans has just signed with the Indiana Pacers for one year, $12 million. Dwight Howard, after he clears, will apparently be a wizard. <laughs> um, but as far as we're concerned, Alan, most importantly, Julius Randle is no longer a Laker, but a Pelican. Sad. Yes, as he will effectively assume DeMarcus Cousins' role as Anthony Davis's second big man, Basham, Smasham brother. You know, from everything we've heard, talks broke down. Freaking Aaron Mintz, what a dick! <laughs> <laughs> I hate Aaron. Seeing his bald ass head on that Paul George special, oh my god. Anyways, Aaron Mintz continued to piss Palink off. Uh, Randall was unsure of his role moving forward and was denied a long term deal that him and Mintz wanted. So eventually, he asked for the Lakers to renounce him and. 
instead of taking a one-year deal with the Lakers for maybe that same $9 million so he, he could become a free agent next year, he pretty much took a one-year $9 million deal from the Pelicans with the option to re-up the second year, a player option. Um, so yeah, I think he did it more for the role, obviously. And from the Lakers end, it's clear they had a hardline stance on all of these one-year deals, and we'll get into that a, a little bit later. But for the Lakers, it's always been one-year deal, take it or leave it, even with one of their own prospects and Julius Randle. So I think the sad part about all this is, you know, you, you, and, you and I, Alan, have been kind of Julius Randle's biggest skeptics amongst us three, including Tommy. And um, this last year, he really changed us, you know? Yep. He really changed our minds. He he's really been everything, everything and more that we could have hoped for, even putting on like a positive purple and gold homery type of lens. And so it, it's really disappointing that we couldn't retain Julius Randle when it was in our power to do so. And it ended up just becoming a relational sort of thing. And instead of keeping Julius Randle instead of mousetrapping Julius Randle into one year with us and uh, him potentially being disgruntled, we decided to just let him go. And I think now that we look back on the past year, I think it's clear that clearly the relationship between Julius, Mintz, and Palinka was pretty sour. I mean, we conjectured last year that this is probably why Julius Randle's minutes were getting tossed about, and it didn't seem like he was necessarily in the Lakers' long-term plans. Obviously, he changed their minds after the trade deadline, and he started, he be, he became a starter, and was putting up ridiculous numbers. But apparently, that was not enough for the Lakers to give him a long term deal. And outside of just the emotional aspect of you know Julius Randle being the last of the original young core and literally the start of the rebuild, um, the Lakers didn't get anything for him. You know, this is part of the reason why we tried to advocate the Lakers potentially trying to shop him at the trade deadline to get any picks. If in fact it was the case that they didn't, they weren't long for Julius Randle, which I guess now it's kind of clear. They didn't really fight for him or fight to keep him, but Julius Randle is walking away and we're kind of getting nothing from it in that sense. And now I'm wondering, well, what was the point of letting Thomas Bryant go? And what was the point of guaranteeing Zubats? You know, uh, one, the money and space gained from waving Thomas Bryant was almost negligible. And then two, if we're not going to be rerouting Zubots in a trade of consequence, we just lost Thomas Bryant and Julius Randle for nothing, you know? So I guess, Alan, first, what are your thoughts on, uh, yeah, I guess Julius Randle and, and, and him leaving? Yeah, it's, uh, it sucks. Um, I guess as far as the front office goes and why they didn't want to ship him off in the middle of the season, Perhaps there was some, you know, optimism <laughs> that they could convince him to, um, you know, stay with us for just one year. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's it, it sucks to lose him, like you said, because of all the improvement that he made. And we could all envision how he could fit in uh, with this new team. But um, like you said, it's just all about role. And, you know, regardless of um, the money and things like that, it was it was clearly about where he feels like he fits in with this team. And I'm just trying to think like back to like the trade deadline or whatever, how the front office could have, uh, you know, seen something like this coming. And like you said, that's why the minutes were going up and down this and that. And he did transform his body. I mean, clearly speaking of external motivation, clearly Julius is extremely externally motivated, which is great. Um, Man, I don't know. It's tough just to walk this like this is not the first time, you know, we've let a guy go and gotten nothing back with uh going back five, six, seven years. So yeah, that one sucks. Yeah, and with Julius Randle gone, he in essentially caps off and closes out Trust the Process Part One for it's the gonna Lakers. It's gonna be a really weird period of time to look back on Lakers history, say ten, fifteen years from now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or like remember the post Kobe well sort of post Kobe and then pre LeBron era <laughs> it's gonna be like oh man those guys are with us for like one stop if not less than that and then they're just all gone 
Yeah, you can definitely bookend and bookmark that time period because even the you know that, short that book people, case. There's not many books in there, <laughs> and people are always are have been throwing out that picture of Kobe Bryant's last game hugging Julius Randle, D'Angelo so Russell, good. Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> I don't feel so good, Mister Bryant <laughs> or Mister James, <laughs> and then they dissipate into the air. And yeah, I mean credit to Julius Randle for really changing our minds, making us eat crow, and tur- turning himself into a small ball five and a player who even in spite of the fact that he still doesn't have a consistent jump shot can legitimately play in this new era of basketball or in this new NBA era where it's all about positional interchangeability, being able to play defense against guards and switching. And he he turned himself into a guy who you can play on defense and he can play positions one through five or defend positions one through five, essentially and started to roll really hard and all that stuff. So, I mean, credit to Julius for changing his body, changing his mindset, and he's going to kill it with Anthony Davis. And uh, I wish him all the best in that respect. Um, so, yeah, um, let's let's move on now to just, I guess, Rajon Rondo. Uh, but first, please follow us on Twitter, at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate interview us on iTunes, because the more you rate interview us, that's how many times Lonzo Ball will beat Rajon Rondo. At Connect Four, <laughs> and so <laughs> he apparently he had a four in high school at Chino Hills. So uh, it could hey, happen. so it could happen, um, and ho- hopefully he also beats him on the court. But we'll see. Competition in all respects. So yeah, please rate interview us on iTunes. So Alan, you know, right before the Rajon Rondo news hit and the the Julius Randle renouncement happened yesterday, we learned that the betting odds for the Lakers to land Kawhi spiked in just two hours. It was plus two hundred, and then after two hours. The odds went from plus 200 to minus 1,000. So the fact that it went from plus 200 to minus 1,000 in just two hours uh, was pretty incredible. And then on top of that, the Lakers all of a sudden moved to the top of the championship odds ladder as well, inexplicably. That is absurd. <laughs> that led most of us to conjecture that odds makers were tipped off to a possible Kawhi trade. Tommy even theorized that this may have had something to do with Kawhi's medicals being leaked or cleared, and maybe that's what the Lakers and Spurs were waiting on. So obviously all of us were sitting on pins and needles. Um, and then we also heard in conjunction to all of this that Windhorse pretty much said on air that if the Lakers include Brandon Ingram, a deal will get done today. So we prepped ourselves. We were waiting for that first domino to happen. And then the first domino happened. Randall got renounced. And after that, we all said, uh-oh. <gasps> Brace yourselves, clench your cheeks, and strap, strap on, on for dear life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Only to eventually find, Alan, that the Lakers signed Rajon Rondo. yeah. <laughs> One, One year, year nine, $9 million dollars, <laughs> and in I mean, in our Facebook message that it was utter mayhem, dude. Like all of us were beside. I've never seen. <laughs> I, when's the last time we were this beside ourselves? Maybe the Mozgov deal, twelve oh one. I think so. Yeah, it was pretty much that line of hysteria. Uh, we were just like, this doesn't make sense. What is going on? We already signed Lance Stevenson. Why are we getting guys who can't shoot? Rajon Rondo, there's still other guys out there like Wayne Ellington. We need shooters. And it was, yeah, we were beside ourselves. And um, we were not alone. <laughs> we were not alone. And the only way that we could kind of quell our fears was like, okay, there has to be another move coming. DeMarcus Cousins is coming, right? Because he's Rajon Rondo's friend. They've played in Sacramento together. They were just in New Orleans together. Yeah, DeMarcus Cousins coming. And then shortly after that, DeMarcus Cousins is signing with the Warriors. And we're like, what is going on here? And DeMarcus Cousins, like, manager even tweeted, like, look out for Big Boogie tweets or something like that. And I was like, oh, shit, like, it's going to happen. And, I mean, something happened with Boogie, and it was big. Yep, and he's not on the Lakers, but Rajon Rondo still is. But Alan, you know, as we always do, it always starts off really maddeningly confused and frustrated with moves like this. But then, as resident Lakers fans and just homery stands, we managed to find a way to rationalize ourselves into trying to understand what the Lakers are thinking here and how this potentially could work. And for me, I think I've gotten to that place with Rajon Rondo. Rather Look, quickly. Rather quickly. <laughs> I'm kind of disappointed in myself. This is this is not to say we think it's all going to work out. But I still it's hate him. Just, I'm just kidding. It, no. It's kind of just a way to honestly try and understand where the front office was coming from in spite of the fact that this is universally being panned and criticized by all of the NBA media 
And, you know, I understand it's kind of easy to get sucked into that echo chamber of just, man, this guy is garbage. Hey, look at his defensive numbers, his analytics, all those deeper analytics and stats that would lend you to believe Rangel Rondo's not the player he used to be, can't play defense anymore, his plus minus sucks, all of that stuff, right? Everybody had those same opinions. And then you kind of take a step back, remove yourself from all of that, and just realize that outside of all the numbers, there's way more to basketball than just that. It's about mentality, how the guy plays on court, who LeBron James would trust in a playoff setting, and just dialing it back to who Rajon Rondo used to be. And I think for me, Windhorse has even come out and said it today, LeBron really, really is emphasizing that he would like to play a different way this year. Last year with the Cavs, all the usage was on him. The ball was in his hands like 90% of the time. It was him trying to find the open shooters and guys for lobs and all that stuff. And this year, he really wants to play more off ball. And so while we while we wish Rondo could actually shoot a jump shot and hit more threes, um, Rajon Rondo is a guy who can create for himself, create for others. Maybe not create for himself, but definitely create for others, even in spite of the fact that he lacks a jump shot. Um, he's comfortable with the ball in his hands, can still drive it into the lane. And most of all, LeBron has also stated, even in his exit interview with the Cavs after losing in the finals, that he wants to play with high IQ high IQ guys. And through and through, that has been Rajon Rondo, in spite of, the, spite of his up-and-down play the last few years. Um, Rajon Rondo has always been a very cerebral type of player. And most of all, he's a cerebral player who likes to communicate what's on his mind to his teammates on the court at all times, you know? He can articulate that very easily to his teammates and direct people where they need to be, etc., etc. Kind of like Kobe Bryant, which is why Kobe Bryant's always praised Rajon Rondo. Um, So for me, I've kind of come around on that instance of Rajon Rondo just being a guy that LeBron would want in the trenches with him in a playoff game. If Lonzo is, is one, unable to overtake Rajon Rondo, and two, even if he does overtake Rajon Rondo, the playoffs are a different beast, and maybe if he has some hiccups to start with, well, we know Rajon Rondo's a gamer, and he, you know he's gone through any and every trial that you could put put in front of him. And so that would be the type of guy that you'd think LeBron would definitely want to go to war with. And Ramona Shelburne has already come out and said, look, these moves have been vetted by LeBron James. So... I guess, Alan, like, how did, how were you able to rationalize yourself into Rajon Rondo in spite of the fact that, you know, objectively, he played very well in the playoffs for the New Orleans Pelicans. Once DeMarcus Cousins went down, that's when the pace picked up for the Pelicans. Rajon Rondo started next to Drew Holiday, and his stats in the playoffs were, were actually pretty ridiculous. Um, I actually have them up right now. Nine games in the playoffs, he averaged 10 points, 12.2 assists, 7.6 rebounds. Look, he only shot 40% from the field, but you're not looking for an effective field goal percentage, an efficient field goal percentage from Rajon Rondo. And actually, he shot 42% from three in the playoffs, hitting almost one a game. So he also hit some clutch shots as well. But Alan, how, how did you eventually wrap your head around Rajon Rondo potentially being a good fit with Le- this LeBron James team? This is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season, and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today. Yeah, it definitely came back to basketball IQ and how LeBron has emphasized that so much. Uh, I can't remember who I was listening to, but they were saying when Rondo was in Chicago, a lot of the guys on that team, a lot of the young guys really, really liked him. Like, or it actually went beyond like. They said they loved playing with him. They became completely enamored with him. So as far as, you know, character and like personalities and whatnot that actually doesn't concern me um as far as the basketball fit like you said from an offensive standpoint shooting and whatnot like it isn't ideal but you think about how much we're going to be running anyway 
not that we're completely going Byron Scott and eliminating the three-point shot from like our game plan, but we might be running so freaking much that we aren't jacking up nearly as many threes as we were last season. Um, not to say that shooting isn't important, of course, but the style may change a little. Um, I, I did also hear about how Windhorse said uh, LeBron wants to play differently. So, yeah, if you need other ball handlers, like how many guys do we have on this team who could run point now? Right? You have him, yep. you have Zoe, you have Brandon Ingram. Um, yeah, so you have a lot of guys who can do things like that in place of LeBron. And then, yeah, I, I kind of go back to what I said at the top of the show with um, him just really toughening up, not just Lonzo, primarily him, of course, because they play the same position, but just a lot of guys on our team. If dudes from Chicago from a few years ago are saying that they loved him, it, we saw the effect that he had with the Pelicans last year. I would think that guys like Rob Palinka, Luke Walton, and Magic included can see the type of positive effect he can have on the guys intangibly speaking. And that's something that I do really buy into, and that's not just being a Laker stan or whatever. Um, we know how intelligent the guy is and how obsessive he is and that he honestly believes he's like the smartest human being in the world. And um, I mean, I heard this one story. I don't know if we've ever mentioned on the show before, but I think Kobe may have said when Rondo watches a movie, if there's like a small plot hole, if something just doesn't make sense, he'll like leave the theater. He gets really <laughs> pissed off because it doesn't make sense. It's not right. And it's like a form of obsessive compel compulsive disorder with him. Sure. Um, so obviously that, that could like work against a team, but I mean, we do have LeBron on this team. So there are people who can kind of keep him in check and put him in place. And there's there's going to be – there will be altercations. There will be conflict. But it's all part of the team-building process. So I think that's how I've rationalized it. It is a lot of the intangible effects. It is just a one-year deal. Like, we're not married to this guy forever. It is $9 million. But um, if, if he does become a head case and someone that we can no longer tolerate, we can always dump him at some point. Yeah. No, for sure. And there's not really that much of a risk, like you said, because it's a one-year deal. And his recent track record, which is this past playoffs, is actually pretty good. He played with Anthony Davis, he played with Drew Holiday, and he helped them actually beat Golden State in one game in the second round of the playoffs, you know? Yeah. That says something as a starting guard. And he, look at some of the games he had in the playoffs for the Pelicans. You know they swept the Portland Trailblazers, right? Like, they did this against yeah. Damian Lillard and yeah. CJ McCollum, and he had games of 16 points, 9 assists, 10 rebounds, 16 points, 11 assists, 7 points, 16 assists. He had a 22 point, 22 point, 12 assists, 7 rebound game, 5 steals against the Golden State Warriors. That is crazy. Where they only lost by 5 in game 2 in Golden State. And then the game after that, the one that they won at home versus Golden State, he had 21 assists and 10 rebounds. Jeez. Look at the Boston-Chicago series a few, a couple years ago. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. They, they should have beat him. <laughs> Yeah, he's still very effective with the ball in his hands. And if that's what LeBron wants to t alleviate some of the pressure and responsibility off of him to initiate an offense, that's exactly what Rajon Rondo can do, you know? And people are going to have to hone in on LeBron James. So that'll give Rondo some more space. And you saw in the Cleveland series, especially when the trades happen, there would be times where, where LeBron James would tell Jordan Clarkson or, or George Hill or whoever had the ball, he'd kind of wave to them and say, do something. And they wouldn't be able to do anything, you know? They'd be looking cluelessly at him and like, oh, I should do something. You know that if Rajon Rondo has the ball, he's going to be like, oh, I'm comfortable <laughs> doing whatever I want anyway. So I'll dribble around till I find the right pass. So I think that's what's going on here. And look, has he lost a step? Has Lance Stevenson lost a step? Do their reputations kind of precede themselves versus the advanced analytics on defense? Yeah, definitely, for sure. Especially in Rondo's case, he definitely used to be an elite defensive player. And who's to say that even though he's like four or five years older than he once was when he, when he was elite defender, that in a context like this one with LeBron James, that he's not able to tap into some of that a few possessions a game. You know what I mean? He definitely has the instincts and he's shown the ability to do that. Even if his advanced numbers and real plus minus and all that stuff doesn't shake out to who he once was, who knows what he's going to do in this context and whether or not he can actually tap in. We just need some of that, especially in a playoff setting because he's a gamer. When the playoffs happen, something clicks within him and he's able to actually go out there, hit clutch shots, make big plays, and he's able to 
orchestrate an offense and a defense, even just the way he communicates, you know? So I think that's how I've come to rationalize all of this with, with Rajon Rondo. And, and look, this is not to say that he can't be cancerous. I think in certain contexts, Rondo really works. In certain contexts, he really doesn't, including the Dallas stint with Rick Carlisle, right? That didn't work out at all. They, they butted heads and to the point where Dallas just kind of let him go. So, um, so Rajon Rondo, we'll just have to wait and see, but at least at this point, I'm excited at the prospects of one, him being a, an elite rebounder. We got a bunch of guys who can get the rebound and lead, lead a break. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, and Rajon Rondo is a guy who can just lob it. He's, he's like one of the best lobbers. LeBron is one of the best lobbers in the league. So is Lonzo. So is Rajon Rondo. And, that's JaVale why McGee. JaVale McGee is one of the best, like, throw it up anywhere and I'll catch it no matter where it is kind of guys with his long ass wingspan. And he, he still is an elite jumper. And so I'm excited to see the prospects of that. Lance Stevenson can grab a rebound and lead a break. Uh, these are guys who they have definite flaws. They are all th- three to four years older than they were in their primes, but they all have that experience and that grit and that hustle that you'd want. And at the very, very least, especially in Rajon Rondo's case, okay, maybe he can't shuffle his feet laterally as well as he could before, but can he be pesky and annoying and get into people's heads like he did before? Sure. It's only going to get better with age, probably. (laughs) Yeah, and in a playoff setting, that's all you want because Curry and all these guys, they may know the advanced analytics too, but when you're actually out there on the court, do you think that's running through their heads? When Rajon Rondo is like slap slapping the the basketball hardwood and yapping at them and getting up in their faces, no, the advanced analytics are, are out of their minds at that point, and they're like, "Damn, this Rajon Rondo fool keeps reaching, keeps slapping the way the same way he annoyed Isaiah Thomas, you know, at, in that one game yeah, and got Isaiah yeah. Thomas ejected. He's gonna do all that crap to Steph Curry, to Damian Lillard, to all of these guards, you know, regardless of whether or not he can shuffle his feet. And I think that's all LeBron James wants, right? At the very least, these guys are going to be annoying and pesky. It's a bunch of dogs on this team, for sure. A bunch of dogs, and, and at the very worst, like Sasha Vujicic annoying, you know? <laughs> get, 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 him out of their, get him out of their comfort zone a little bit. So, Alan, to close, I guess... Now that the dust is settled and we've been able to kind of wrap our heads around all of these signings, um, if you wanted to talk about what you think about JaVale and Lance now in conjunction with all of, with Rondo, uh, we kind of, I just ran through it a little bit, but I, th- how would you rank these signings? I think for me, I'd go number one, JaVale McGee, <laughs> which, which sounds hilarious. Um, number two, Rondo, and then number three, Lance. I think Lance right now is still the most confusing and inexplicable to me only because I feel personally that we should have thrown all of our resources mostly to, towards Tyreek Evans, who yeah. only got a $12 million one-year deal. And Tyreek Evans was a 19.55 player last year, shooting a career-high 40% from three on a high volume. So I feel like we should have gone after Tyreek Evans first, then got in Rondo, and then JaVale McGee obviously is only on a, a minimum contract. But yeah, how would you rank the signings right now and any updated thoughts you have on how JaVale fits and how Lance potentially fits as well? Um, I would, I would tend to agree with your ranking for sure. Um, as far as how JaVale fits, I mean, he's got like one job, right? Rebound the ball, protect the rim, run the floor, and that's pretty much it. And he knows what his role is. Um, it's funny to say this, but, and I mean, it's true. He, he does have championship experience, you know, like he's been surrounded by guys, um, who know how to get the job done. He's not the same player that he was back in Washington and every other stop along the way. So um, I don't think he's going to be a problem whatsoever. Um, as far as personality goes, I mean, now that we have like a crap ton of it, um, he is kind of that like lighthearted locker room. And I know we've said this about guys like Swaggy P or whatever, and sometimes good, sometimes bad. But I think he is like that fun, lighthearted guy, um, a la everyone's favorite Lamar Odom. So, and he has credibility now, right? Like he can kind of be goofy and whatever because he's won things and he was extremely productive during the playoffs. Um, he was able to guard LeBron on the perimeter for God's sake. So yeah, um, yeah, I think I think that's awesome and. <laughs> it's funny to say this because now the Warriors have Boogie. Granted, he won't be playing until the winter, but um, I mean, Golden State did lose JaVale, who was a major piece for them. However, they gained 
Boogie. So that kind of throws there, that out the window. But, but for a few two, months, yeah. you know, and then we don't know what Boogie's going to be and all that kind of stuff. But prior to the Boogie thing, I'm like, hey, shoot, like they lost JaVale, you know, and like that actually did hurt Golden State. Also because JaVale McGee, like, even though obviously in a vacuum and holistically DeMarcus Cousins is a much better player and can do much more things than JaVale McGee, I was watching some of his highlights with Golden State, but he was a huge kind of, um, he was a huge, what, what is that word in football? Oh, he was a huge safety valve for the Warriors in terms of they were just able to throw it up. And a lot of their plays, you know, when when nothing else was clicking and they couldn't find shooters, they just throw it up to JaVale McGee and he'd be able to catch these lobs. You can't do that with DeMarcus Cousins as much. Right, right. He's just not that type of player at all. Especially after the Achilles injury. And so I think they're actually losing a pretty big dynamic of who they were in terms of they were able to throw it to him in transition. They were able to throw it to him when the defense had them locked down just because he's so tall and can catch anything. Uh, On broken plays, you just throw it up to JaVale and see what happens, you know. So they're definitely losing that vertical threat aspect. And that's something that the Lakers have been lacking in terms of having a seven-foot guy with like a seven foot three plus wingspan who can actually do that. Nance was our closest player, right? Right. And now we have that times infinity pretty much <laughs> in yeah. JaVale McGee. And, um, you know, in the playoffs, he, and this is two straight years in the playoffs, in the finals. Obviously, they've won two straight times. But uh, JaVale McGee's averages in only 12 minutes this past year have been six points, three rebounds, pretty much a block a game last year. In nine minutes, even less, six points, three rebounds, a block a game. Um, obviously, per 36 doesn't mean much in this case, but if you're just translating that out to if he could actually play more minutes, you're essentially getting a 19 and 10 three block player every time, you know, in the, li- in the, in the limited <laughs> yeah, amount yeah, of minutes right, that right. he's playing, he's giving you that productivity and energy. Obviously, there's a, issue with JaVale McGee having to I think he has asthma or something so he can't he doesn't really have the stamina to be out there for that long but just knowing that you can put a guy out there he knows his role he knows his job to clean up the boards crash the boards clean up on the offensive glass catch lobs roll really hard set some solid screens and block the hell out of people run the floor I mean this is pretty much what we wanted Dwight to be right and if you can just get that on a night-to-night basis, depending on matchups, for 10 to 15 minutes, that's all you really want. And I don't have doubt that if you wanted to, you needed to start him in a pinch for 20 minutes, JaVale McGee could do that, you know? So I think that's why I'm highest on JaVale McGee, especially with the potential of LeBron and Rajon Rondo and Lonzo Ball throwing him lobs, like we mentioned earlier, because Rajon Rondo has a lot of experience with this with Anthony Davis last year, where he's throwing it off the glass and Anthony Davis is just using his long-ass wingspan to throw it down. JaVale McGee can do that. Obviously, LeBron is no stranger to that as well. Um, So I think that's why I'm most excited with uh, McGee. Um, Now, Alan, Lance Stevenson, lastly. Uh, (laughs) Okay, so... Outside of the fact that culturally I don't think he fits because he does have a very mired and checkered background. I think he's been charged with two sexual assaults and domestic abuse. I think he like pushed his girlfriend down the stairs. Not to get into the details of all of that, but even on top of that, his basketball antics. and He is a very quirky, eccentric fella. Um, to his credit, he does have a lot of grit, a lot of fight. He's not scared of LeBron James. Um, Kobe Bryant and LeBron James are similar in that respect. They... They like guys who don't back down, and Lance Stevenson is definitely not a guy who backs down. And in fact, he in fact he blows out and blows into your ear. Um, <laughs> but I think he's still the most questionable out of all these guys to me, just because who were the Lakers competing with for his services? To me, he shakes out as a minimum guy, not a four million dollar room exception type guy. And why was he one of the first guys we signed and committed to? He's only 27. Maybe there's a Brian Shaw connection here from their Pacers days, and maybe Brian Shaw really is the Lance Stevenson whisperer. But for me, it's still confusing that they picked this guy who is just so erratic in so many ways. He does a lot of and one hot sauce type shake and bake stuff. He's super wild. Um, He can rebound and push the ball, which I like. Um, He used to be... Uh, quote unquote, a poor man's triple double king, especially when he was had his breakout season with the Pacers. But I guess in this scenario, you just hope one that he's able to be a better spot up shooter than he's all ever been, um, in his career, and that two that he just fall in line a little better and kind of 
tap into how he used to be with the Pacers in terms of defensive effectiveness. Because even that's kind of tailed off recently and he's just kind of working off of his reputation at this point. But yeah, what where are you at with Lance Stevenson? Uh pretty similar position. Um I don't I don't know how much this guy's even gonna play. You know, we're pretty stacked on the wing at this point and um I mean we are still focused on getting guys developed. So um yeah I think um it's definitely a similar thing to Matt Barnes, Ron Artest, without maybe the effectiveness of those guys. <laughs> but as far as the purpose, um, with grit and challenging guys and that sort of thing, like, yeah, like I can see that angle without a doubt. Um, you mentioned the Brian Shaw connection from Indiana. That could absolutely play a role. Um, as far as the money, yeah, that's pretty perplexing. Uh, it's, it's hard to explain that one for sure. I'm not even going to try to justify it. So <laughs> it's funny because it happened the same day as LeBron, like within hours. So yeah. we were just like, oh my God, that's hilarious. Like, this is so funny. Blah. Like, we just didn't really think about <laughs> what it meant. It's like, awesome. I love it. This is freaking great. Um, digest it a little more. And it's like, ooh. I mean, I don't. Again, they ran everything by LeBron, right? And we're yeah. talking about guys who understand personalities and whatnot. So, I mean, a lot of our questions have to do with character, fit, and culture. And one could argue that our front office may understand that better than almost any front office. So I'm hoping we are just obviously all pleasantly surprised. I hope we're all going to eat crow after this one. Yeah. Um, It'll be fun to try to figure it out along the way with them, you know, kind of like the Rondo thing. We've come around. So let's just hope that's the case as we massage it. Yeah, I think for I th- yeah, no, for sure. And I think the what's even more perplexing about the Lance thing is with Ronda, you could always say at least he's always had the basketball IQ and pedigree in that respect. But Lance is just like it's all or nothing with that guy, you know? Uh, he does do a lot of exciting plays and he has flashy passes here and there and on his best night he's getting you like a triple double. But on his worst night, he's shooting you out of a game, taking too much usage, ball hogging and all this stuff, tripping over himself and shacked in a fool, right? Um, But at the very least, he does have experience. He's only 27. Maybe there's something that they can unlock there, especially around LeBron and his tutelage and his influence. I think what they did with these three guys is they got LeBron some goons who will back him up, you know? They're never going to back down from a fight, especially when it comes to playoff basketball. Um and so I, I think from that respect, I get it. And, you know, we were making that joke yesterday that it seems like the Lakers are, are are forming a Kroger brand version of the Golden State Warriors bench with Rondo being like Sean Livingston, Lance Stevenson being super poor man's version of Andre Iguodala and JaVale <laughs> McGee being JaVale McGee. <laughs> it's like Kroger brand Golden State. Here we go. Um But yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. I think the most important thing on top of all of this, Alan, is that these are all one-year deals. And at this point, the Lakers have positioned themselves to be in a place where they can trade for Kawhi Leonard still if they want to. And all they have to do is stretch Luau Dang to make that happen with Brandon Ingram or whoever's salary is going out. And they'd be able to facilitate a Kawhi Leonard trade without anybody's help. And on top of that, most importantly... If the if the Spurs don't acquiesce to the Lakers' low ball demands, they can use their leverage and say, "Well, hey, we've already filled out our roster. Paul George isn't coming. Um, we have enough space now with all these expirings. Rondo nine million expiring. Lance is going to be four million expiring. Uh, Julius Randle's obviously gone. Um, we can just let all these guys expire. And summer 2019, there's Kawhi's thirty million dollar cap space waiting for him, and we can just wait till then." Or we can also pivot and make trades with other people as we've learned that maybe the Lakers could potentially be looking at other potential superstars to trade for. Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, guys like that. The Lakers can use it to their advantage against the Spurs because right now the Spurs continue to try and scrape for any sort of leverage they can. And I'm just glad that the Lakers are being patient on this front. So I don't know if you had any thoughts on that. Um, Honestly, no. <laughs> I think you summed it up pretty well. <laughs> That's fine. Look, it's not what we, these are not the signings that we would have picked. They're not sexy at all. They're against the advanced analytics community and the hipster NBA Twitter community. But look, this is LeBron James we're talking about. This is former 
champion Rajon Rondo we're talking about. This is former Eastern Conference Finals <laughs> contender Lance Stevenson we're talking about. And two-time champion JaVale McGee. So who knows what happens when you put all these guys together. Um, yeah, we'll just have to see how it plays out at this point because that's all we can do. And uh, honestly, watch some highlights. They're, these guys are actually fun. And even in most recent respects as well, not just when they were in their primes. I think the Lakers wouldn't have made these deals if they didn't have any evidence in the last few months of what these guys could do here and now. You know what I mean? It's not all based off of reputation, thank God. So, um, yeah, with that said, I know Alan has to go, so I'll let him go. And um, after Alan leaves, I'll close the show out and talk about where we go from here and what I want the Lakers to do with their final two or three roster slots and what I would consider a good close to free agency for this crazy wackadoo free agency period for the lakers so uh yeah alan i will catch you later all right dude peace all right see ya all right so to close the show out i'm going to talk about where the lakers should go from here what i want to see them do with their final few roster slots uh what i would consider essential for their last two or three signings uh you know right now as it currently stands the lakers roster we have we have 13 roster spots 13 roster spots, 15 if you include Caruso and Malik Newman as our two-way contracts. So two-way contracts actually count as number 16 and number 17 on our team roster sheet. So right now we technically have 13 roster spots. So we potentially have two more slots open or three if we decide to stretch Luau Deng or trade him entirely. So with those last two or three roster spots, for me, the most ideal outcome is one using our remaining $5.6 million on Brooke Lopez, bringing him back as our starting center who can stretch the floor, help LeBron out. We are so in dire need of shooting that getting that from our, our, our big man, from our five spot, is so essential and crucial. Um, if we can just get Brooke Lopez, sign another guy like Wayne Ellington who can shoot the lights out, and at this point it'll have to be like a minimum deal, or if we stretch Dang. We'll get we'll gain ten more million. So if we could give some of that to Wayne Ellington and then maybe Shabazz Napier, another backup point guard, I think that would be a pretty good cap to close our offseason at this point. So five million dollars to Brooke Lopez, maybe stretch Dang, get ten million back, split that ten million between Wayne Ellington and Shabazz Napier, and I think we're in business. I don't know exactly how the numbers are going to shake out. Maybe it'll be more along the lines of $8 million for Wayne Ellington and $2 million for Shabazz Napier. All I know is I just want some shooters for the Lakers. There are still some guys out there. If Brooke Lopez doesn't work, then maybe Trevor Booker. Luke Mbamute is out there as well. Who knows where Isaiah Thomas is going to end up. I don't. At this point, I don't know if there is a rift between him and LeBron, but we'll see. Uh, it doesn't look likely that he'll come back to the Lakers, but Jamal Crawford is still out there. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Clint Capella's restricted free agency, Jabari Parker's restricted free agency. But for me, I'm I'm kind of tired of all this noise and this craziness. I just want for the Lakers to do the simple moves. Uh, no need to surprise us and do anything shocking. Just re-sign Brooke Lopez and just get another shooter, whether that's Wayne Ellington, uh, Jamal Crawford, any any one of these guys who can shoot. And we'll see if Dwayne Wade or Chris Bosh comes. And weirdly, that's not even a joke. So this summer has been crazy. We still have LeBron James. Still such an exciting and lit time to be a Lakers fan. Uh, For me, part of the excitement comes in the fact that, you know, if you hadn't fully embraced LeBron James yet, the fact that he is an underdog in all of this against the Golden State Monstars should allow you to find LeBron James as a more endearing character to root for because he's going up against the world here. He took a chance on Los Angeles, went to a much harder Western Conference. He's not going to be waltzing to the finals anymore. The decks are stacked against him. He's got a weird-ass roster now with Rondo, Lance Stevenson, and JaVale McGee. So if you had your doubts about LeBron James or what weren't what you weren't so thrilled with the current narrative i mean it's underdog time for lebron james somehow some way and hopefully you can embrace him so that we can go up against the freaking warriors rockets boston celtics etc because it really does feel like that us against the world mentality and lebron james is going to be doing a lot of heavy lifting and hopefully along the way the young guys can 
speed their development up quickly and really help the king in his quest to dethrone the Golden State Warriors. So with that said, I'll leave it there. Obviously, Summer League is going on. The guys look good. Mo Wagner, V. Mikhailu, hot shooters. Most of our shooters are actually on our bench right now, but they are looking good. And hopefully they can join LeBron James. You know, LeBron James is the king of amplifying guys, even rookies, as we've seen in his career history. Booby Gibson was a rookie in the finals, hitting open three-pointers off of LeBron James' drives. Even Chetty Osman played decently well this past year with LeBron James and saw his development curve vastly improve. So LeBron James does have a very good effect on young players, even players who don't necessarily have the innate talent and skill that some of our young guys already possess in Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, and Brandon Ingram. So it should be interesting to see their development. And yeah, that narrative of LeBron James coming to the Lakers and it feeling like a cheat code or it feeling sort of cheap. Nah, that's out the window. It's us against the world. People are making fun of us again, even in spite of the fact that we have LeBron James saying that we won't even crack the top four and we'll probably get swept by Golden State again. All those narratives working against us, we can use it. We can embrace LeBron James and it's going to be fun, man. So with that said, once again, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes. Um, we're going to take a little bit of a break for 4th of July weekend. Hope everybody has a, a fun time with friends and family. Thank God LeBron James made this announcement before the 4th of July weekend. And um, enjoy some barbecue, enjoy some fireworks, and enjoy some summer league. Good luck to everybody out there in Vegas. It's going to be so hot. And actually, even SoCal is going to be experiencing a heat wave of our own. So make sure to use sunscreen, sunglasses, and stay cool, everybody. Also, this is not a drill. If and when we sign Michael Beasley, do not panic. Do not freak out. The world is not falling. Okay, maybe it is. Uh, With that said, we'll catch you guys later. Uh, Peace out. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.